Welcome back to The Brandon White Show, where we have conversations worth listening to give you an edge to win in your business and your life. I'm your host, Brandon White. Here we go. Welcome back to The Edge Podcast, giving you the edge to win in business and in life. Here's your host, Brandon White. Hey, Patrick. Hey, Brandon. How are you? Never better. Welcome to the show. Good to be here. I was actually reading about authentic sharing technology because I have not heard that term. I don't know if that makes me not hip or current, but it sounds very interesting. Well, I hope that is one day the case for everybody that hears it. But no, it's something that we literally created because there was a need in the marketplace. So it is a relatively new term. But I think it's it's relatively new and old, which we can talk about. Well, I, first of all, thanks for being on the show. I was excited because you you come from a direct marketing background, I believe. And I think direct marketers are where you become a sales expert because you receive so much rejection on an, on a rapid ongoing basis that you, you pretty much, I don't want to say become callous, but you sort of have an abundance mentality. And if you don't, you don't make it because you're, you're not going to sell every single person. So you have a bat. So can we go back a little bit? How did you get into direct marketing? Cause that's really where rapid funnels and this whole idea of the sharing technology and approach came from, isn't it? It is. Yeah. I I have one of those very traditional networking stories, seven years out of college, 37,000 in credit card debt. And I probably stole that, told that story 10,000 times, you know, in building my network marketing business. But then, you know, I ran into a first company and struggled, but I learned the ropes. It was a good training company. And then I found a organization called Legal Shield. So it was basically identity theft and legal insurance. And I applied all the skills that I had learned in the previous two and a half year stint, and it just exploded. The timing was good. The product was good. I developed a skill set. And then so I just went on to make millions and 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 still have a large organization there and have done very well financially. But you're exactly right, Brandon. It was face-to-face, person-to-person, relationship-based, learn to sell and recruit you know, and then teach. So what we, even with authentic sharing technology, what we drive and we teach is it's the quantity of the exposures, it's the quality of the follow-up, and it's teaching those two things. And so everything our platform is built around is peer-to-peer, make an exposure, follow-up, pretty simple. Yeah, yeah it, it it is simple, but it's complicated. I don't know, and we're going to talk about that because I don't know if the execution is actually the the hard part or what the what the psychology of the hard part is, but you, and we don't have to go through, cause you have told your story many times and I've heard it and I think it's inspiring, but I really want to get down to the crux that you sort of quickly went over. But I think is the important part that anybody, including myself would be interested in is you said, I learned these lessons and I took them and then I made millions. So what were those lessons that you learned in that? I want to call it the grind, but when you were in the trenches, that really, really enabled you to take your experience with Legal Shield, which is basically you're really a reseller. Is that right? Effectively and becoming yeah. and, and, and sure. 
and building your own sales force that would resell mm-hmm. it for you as well. Yeah, exactly. You know, I think the two things for me is one, I came into the business with a belief that people had infinite potential, untapped, that they didn't realize. And so it was a good mindset for networking because you have to believe in a lot of people that are going to fail, not because they're not capable, but because you you can't get them all to believe in themselves. So I failed the fourth grade twice, severely dyslexic, went to DePaul summer program for dyslexic kids. I sat on a floor where Sister Anne Rita Mock, who learned from Dr. Shedd how to teach all these dyslexic kids, we sat on a floor and she said, you have a gift. Now, mind you, I came there as a a throwout in the traditional school system. I mean, they were put, putting me in classes for educably, mentally challenged children. and But I was very creative. I just didn't fit into the system. And so she literally in a day, which I don't believe in epiphanies as a general rule, but like I bought it. I was so hungry to believe I was more than what the system said I was. And that really created a belief that we all have really unique gifts. And so I kept believing that and I believed I was destined for something great. So desire was a piece of it and this belief that people could be more than they were. And then the second piece that was important to your question was in, I had that desire and I had an early sponsor who educated me on ratio, what a numbers game was, that it's not personal, right? He said, every time I would complain a little, he would be like, hey, fax me your tracking sheet. And there were 10 names on a sheet. It took five minutes to make an exposure. I told him I was making 20 exposures. I was working 20 hours a week. I had 10 names on the sheet for the week. I did the math myself. Five minutes times 10 names is 50 minutes. He's going to ask me where the other 19 hours and 10 minutes went. So I never faxed it. And I got out of the way and I just started, you know, and there were other things, but those were the two drivers, like in terms of building a team, is believing in other people's potential, even when they didn't believe it themselves. And number two is understanding it is simply a numbers game. You have to be willing to talk to people and then improve your skill sets when you follow up and you're going to win. Improve your ratio, but you better start. You better figure out what your ratio is as a starting point. So those were the two big things for me. When you say exposure, do you mean reaching out to someone via email, via phone call, via some other method? Is that what effectively? Yeah. First contact. So you're basically going through the day and you take about five minutes to research the person, message the person. Does that translate today into the 50 personal, I'm putting that in air quotes for those not listening, messages that I get on LinkedIn every day? No. Not from you, but... No, I, no, I get you. Those would not count. So what we call an exposure, especially in this authentic sharing technology space is I am connecting with a person and making a friend or, or, you know, and that sounds like, but I'm connecting with you at a personal level. Now, if I connected you on LinkedIn and say, Hey, Brandon, I'd, I'd really like to connect you. We have some common interest. I saw that you do this, this, and this. I'd love to connect. You email me back or LinkedIn me back. Oh, that sounds great. Let's connect. That would count. 
Now, we haven't talked about business. We haven't talked about a fit or an opportunity, but we have made a true, like we actually connected. With the kids are at a soccer game, we start talking about health and fitness. I sell health and fitness products, and we start talking about health and fitness, and maybe I say, hey, listen, you know, I, I don't know if you'd be interested, but I have this survey. I'd love if you could give me some feedback. I'm doing some market research. If I sent you over a quick survey, would you check it out? That's easy, right? But that's an exposure. This episode is sponsored by the Halle Financial Team at Expert Lending. Buying a house in today's market is competitive, and you need a lender that can close fast and get you the very best rate. The team is licensed in 48 states and has over 20 years experience in the real estate and lending space and access to lending rates that most mortgage brokers can't get. I know because I'm an investor in the team. If you need a mortgage or know someone that does, call or text Kara at 571-271-9086 and talk to a real human who will give you the customer service you deserve. Again, call or text Kara at 571-271-9086. Now back to the show. Yeah, I'm laughing. I'm laughing. I'm smiling because it's you're you're actually really good i mean that that it, it is natural but what's not natural is hey patrick i saw that you and i share we like mountain biking we like this together and then i say hey thanks a lot for connecting and then the next damn thing i get is hey i have a service that does xyz like that is not the right approach in my opinion i don't know Oh, it's what's called a cattle call. Nobody wants to be part of your cattle call, right? You treat me like a unique individual human being. Show some respect. And and I've met people that are five, ten years in the industry, and they still don't know how to really make a proper exposure. Now, they make up in numbers what they lack in skill. And some people get away with that because they'll do enough raw numbers. But they're not building rapport or relationships and they're making the business much harder and what they're doing, they cannot teach because nobody wants to do that. Like you don't want to high part, high pressure and hard close your friends, family and neighbors. That's no fun. But yeah, if you, I, I had a, a, a fellow once, I'll never forget him, Bill Bailey. And he said, and I was that person, like I was just getting through numbers and like he educated me on, look, your job is to make two friends a day. That's it. Right now, sure, do I eventually maybe want to talk to him about? Yes. But, but just get the dollar sign off their head, meet two people, do discovery, find out if there maybe is a real need, not by telling them about your product or your service, but just identifying if there's an interest, right? If they have a problem that you might have the potential of solving, and if it goes to that phase, you're good to go, right? But that's not what the industry is mostly made up of, unfortunately. Yeah, I guess what people, they want to turn the numbers. It's like the, it's even like tech companies who do out, or not just tech companies, but any company that does outbound sales, it's yeah. just pitch, pitch, pitch. And eventually you are going to get, somebody's going to, you're just, I guess you're just getting lucky, Patrick. Yeah. I get, and you just hit it and they're like, yeah, I got that. Let's do it or something like that. But it's not replicable. 
No. And, and for us, that's what the digital world is turning into. I mean, it used to be on LinkedIn. I actually enjoyed it because people would reach out and it was a real person actually reaching out to me. Now it's 150 messages in my inbox and they're all bots or spam or clickbait or like it's all that. And they're trying to be authentic. They're not authentic at all. They're hiding behind technology. They don't even know the message went out. Right. If I respond because they catch me and I happen to think it's it's them, they don't check it for four weeks. Right. I mean, it's ridiculous. And that and I think people subconsciously are becoming cognizant to the noise, to the inauthenticity that black box hide behind the digital technology is creating and and we're more attuned and aware of it than we may consciously be aware so we're tuning a lot of it out but there's nothing like, like authenticity that cuts through noise even if we use a digital tool if it's truly authentic there's a power in that you know i think that's, that's the opportunity today the opportunity yeah. i don't know i I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts on this because one of the things when you're a direct marketer or let's just call us small, you're not that small. How many people do you have in your organization? I read, I was actually, it's like a hundred or more. Oh, the, the direct sales side, we've recruited literally hundreds of thousands, but, but rapid funnel is uh, about 70 people in nine countries around the world. Right. So, I mean, it's not small. So I mean, people, no, a decent, no, no. decent, no, those, decent are, those are team members, employees. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, yeah. it's not, it's not, it's small compared to Google, but yeah. in the realm of SMB, yeah. it's a, yeah, it's a yeah. good sized company. And yeah. I think that one of the things that I say to people, at least I say, I say because it's been my experience is, is that in a company, when you're smaller, the founder or the whoever you want to call them, they basically need to do the sales and they got to do the sales directly because until you have something that's repeatable, you can't give it to a V, you can't hire a VP of sales and say, here's the process. The VP of sales in general are not people who invent. They tweak, but they don't invent the process, at least at that level. If you're hiring a VP of sales gun, a sales gun, or, you know, a hired yeah. gun to basically take this, they need a process that's worked. They generally, that's why you spend the money to get someone like that is to say, Hey, I've got 25 sales. This is what's worked. I've got a pattern. Here's how you can repeat it. But I think that there's all these people out there are selling these bots or whatever they are and saying, Hey, we can scale it. And then you get the, the person who runs a company who says, I don't have time to do this. So I'm going to do the bot. I got this. I got one. I get them every day, like you from LinkedIn, but I got this lady who very clearly their marketing person had listened to a podcast that we had done with a lady who is really disrupting the orthodontist Invisalign market. So I'm, I know that they found us through SEO and I get this message that says, I'm an orthodontist in Half Moon Bay. I'm interested in connecting. So at first I say, wow, well, that's interesting. I'd like to talk to this person. And then I said, well, hey, thanks for connecting. And then the next, the next message I get is a pitch. Like make an appointment and come see me. I'm like, did you visit? Did, did you see a picture of me? And you saw that my bottom teeth are out of alignment. Like, and, and, and it was so all unauthentic and mm -hmm. all that, all she would have had to do 
and I don't know, Patrick, you can tell me like, I think you could seed some things with automation, but you need to then be on the backside. You know, she could have been like, Hey, I listened to your podcast. Exactly right. Exactly right. I don't mind that. Like one of the things we'll do is in our platform, in our app, we'll create surveys. The surveys are personalized to each individual app user. So they can post a survey to a social platform and they can say, hey, look, I'm doing some market research. Who'd be willing to help me out? You know, here's what I'll, I'll send you this if you wouldn't mind taking my one minute survey. Now, every person that fills it out gets a push notification immediately to their phone that says this prospect just filled this out here's what you should maybe send next do you want to do that now but it is like i can't hide from anything because i got the message i know exactly how they filled out the survey and i should respond immediately that's authentic right so that's seeding it but it's not going into my account once a week and seeing that a hundred, you know, you get it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it happens. And I I think it's just because everybody's gotten, I don't know, they're getting pitched on the internet to get everybody in their funnel. And then what I think they don't realize is they've just, they're just turning people off, which then has effect on their company brand or their personal brand at that point. Absolutely. Yeah. And they're doing it with text messaging you know, all these text platforms that are, you know, I'm not knocking them. I'm not saying there's not a place if you're a coach and you want to communicate, but it's not, they're cheating and using a two-way communication tool that's kind of real-time text to text. And they're turning it into a one broad, one-way broadcast, what I call a one-to-many approach. And that's, that's what you're talking about where it's like, Hey, dude, get out of my text. Like, this is my tool, like, real-time to family, friends, relationships. I don't want your broadcast in my text. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think I think you the opportunity is that you catch people off guard. If you do a one-to-many, and then they reply, like you said, which you can do through your app, and then you actually send them a very personalized message. It doesn't have to be long. It just has to convey yeah. that you you actually read something about them or something and the response is i mean night and day and i think people are missing that that opportunity absolutely but it yeah. does take time like you you are yeah. going to it's going to take time but the 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 odds of of a result when there's a relationship and there's authenticity are just so much better they're exponentially better. So, you know, we have to be authentic. We have to be real and it takes time. Yeah. Well, um, it, it, you've said this several times and you actually gave a great example. I'm laughing because it was so good in the beginning of our conversation with surveys. So is surveys really your, the idea with direct, I mean, you've used it several times. It's a great it's, one, but it's it, one piece, right? But so, so what we primarily do, right? What authentic sharing technology is, is we go to a coach or a leader or whatever it else, ever, ever it is that's trying to teach in one vertical to a group of people that need to prospect and follow up, right? That's the caveat to how our platform works. We need that leader. You're training the trainer. Yes. We take the coach or the trainer. We get all the content out of their head. We put it into the platform. And that coach knows 
exactly what the people that follow him, what they need to say, how they need to do it. So we create email campaigns, digital business cards, surveys, capture pages. So it's kind of like constant contact, click funnels, survey monkey, a CRM, all built into one. We deliver it. The coach then delivers that app to the individual user. They download the app and all of it is already built in under one umbrella and personalized to that individual user. But it was the coach that created the survey and the words. They're the expert. They're the superstar. So they created everything, but they personalized it to the user. So now that guy out in the field doing mortgage or they're a notary coach like Bill Soroka, or these different great coaches, Wally Long in the HVAC industry, all these different coaches that are really good in a specific vertical, it's like they're shooting the jump shot for the guy, but the guy's getting the credit. And all the tools are under one umbrella, and all he had to do was download the app, and now it's his tools, he's delivering it authentically, but the superstar created everything for him or her. Does that make sense? It's a hard explanation sometimes, but it saves the individual seller in the field so much time. And it's really much more authentic. And does the person, let's, I'm just going to call them the VP of sales. They're the VP of sales for their organization under them. Yes, that's right. Do they get statistics from each of the people under them to say, well, this person shared That's five correct. things today? And so it's they analytics. Get all the, they get all the activity metrics. So they know which tools, resources are being used in which order that lead to conversion. In many cases, if we hook up via API or something like that, and sometimes we can't because of the nature of it, but yeah, they can see which tools are actually being used, how many minutes videos are being watched, how surveys are being answered. So the coach can improve the content for the individual user. And what the individual user gets is they get all their individual stats and they own all the data. Nobody else does. They know their prospect's name, phone number, email, and nobody else is privy to that info except the user of the app. And in this day and age where YouTube, Facebook, they're not free. They're taking the data, putting that data into the hands of the individual rep in the field. So while you've really cut your teeth and come from the direct marketing business where you're effectively recruiting salespeople for your organization selling this product, you could use this in a real enterprise. I mean, I, I would say a real enterprise, a, a, a enterprise business that sells software and that just keeps, keep, I mean, keeps track happened. of their team, right? That's what happened, right? Is we were in network marketing, but you start thinking about any large organization that sells a similar product, one kind of product or service, or needs to recruit, right? So any organization in the world that has a lot of zealot people that should be telling the company's story and they don't want a full bloated CRM, they just need to focus on telling the story and maybe following up more effectively. That's a client of ours. And 
And then there are coaches out there teaching, right, individuals in these different verticals. So it's both enterprise sales and it's coaches teaching a specific vertical. There's a lot of applications is my point. Like there's a lot of organizations that need to get their story told. And the best person to tell it is somebody that already works for the company. Isn't isn't this, I, I come from on the internet where the affiliate marketing, not that's all we did, but we used affiliate marketing to generate revenue Mm-hmm. Isn't this a better affiliate marketing platform? Because as an affiliate marketer, being a guy, I still run, I think I was telling somebody, somebody asked me, I think we have eight sites that I run for experiments. We get like half of 500,000 uniques a month across this network. Yeah. And, and people come in and we are affiliates of some things and I experiment with different affiliates. The challenge with affiliate, and I, I, I think this is, a little off topic, but on topic is when you go and sign up for an affiliate, they say, here's your, basically what they say is here's your link. Here's some graphics. And they don't really give you even, they don't even give you the, I'm thinking here, they don't really give you even the elevator pitch. They just say link to this and whatever. Whereas if you formalize that with your process, then your affiliates would arguably be more successful. Correct. But, and you probably know better than I do. I think I, we thought about this before, but I'm, but affiliate marketers tend to be good digital marketers already. That's why they're looking for a product or service, right? They tend to be good digital marketers. Would you agree with that? Well, I actually don't know. So having run affiliate programs, what you'll find is, is, maybe 1% of your affiliates are actually the people that are actually being successful. So there's a delta of 99% of these affiliates because you're just, I mean, I'll be honest, you called it the cattle, would you call it the cattle? Cattle call. Ca- yeah. Cattle call. It's, it's basically a cattle call. You're, you're trying to get as many affiliates to find the one or two that are going to make 90% of your sales. And the fact is, is that the other ones have been, I say this lovingly, sold that they can make extra incremental money by putting these links on, but they're actually not really good. And I think that if you found, I mean, I've talked to a lot of colleagues who just don't do affiliates anymore because the upkeep on that 99% outweighs even the 1% who bring in the most of the revenues. Yeah. We're on the same page. And the, and the difference, too, is we don't actually, we're not creating the product or whatever. So when if I went to affiliates, I'm not selling anything. I'm looking for the company that says, hey. And then the second part is the people that tend to be really good in our platform, they're out in the field face-to-face with the world. They're not digital marketers. They don't have a huge database. These are people that, I mean, if you if you talk to somebody in the mortgage business, they got to let everybody know, hey, I'm in the mortgage business. Are you buying, selling a house? You got anything going on? Like they're out in the notary business. If you're a notary and we have a notary coach, notaries are out there and there's tons of them. And they need to let people know, hey, I'm a notary. I'm in the notary business. So if I gave them a tool in their hand, that's really powerful for us. So any type of organization that is face-to-face with the customer, right? I got it. Yeah, my wife was a notary. Nobody knew it, but 
right. she did it for internal purposes, but she probably could have made incremental revenue by people knowing yeah. that that was happening. Yeah, the, the the people that work for I think Starlink, Elon Musk company, they're, they're not going to use our platform because they're not bumping into anybody that needs to put a satellite in space. They don't they don't hang out with those people, right? <laughs> but if you're in the mortgage business, you sell cars, you're in network marketing, direct sales, you're every day you're around people or on your Facebook page are similar kind of people that actually would have an interest if it were presented properly. That's yeah, that's a, our realm. Yeah. I got I got a question for you. You probably yeah. didn't know this, but I actually worked with Success Magazine and the owner who which he did own it. It's been sold, but what do you Stuart. with Yeah. Yeah, Stuart Stuart. Yep. You, you, yep. You, you I figured you probably knew Stuart and yep. um I just on he he had sent me just last year it's like, I'm going to send you a whole bunch of stuff on that I, that I want you to have. And I was like, all right, man. He sent me like every network marketing book known to man that he had published and everything. And we were not important, but we were doing working with, with him in, in those last years. But he's a super, super good guy. And I knew some network marketing founders who had been successful. And you've been in this business. What is it? And I actually own a Facebook group, if you'll believe it. I think it's called, it was called Nugenics. Was that a, a cosmetic yeah. company? So I currently have the Facebook group. I think it has 19,000 people in it with all of the Nugenics. They were all Nugenics people. I, a, a lady had built it. She was successful. She didn't want any more. So I bought it. I don't know when you do something with it, but that, that's just some background that I understand the network marketing space. But what I don't, what I'm curious about in your opinion, having been in it, what you mentioned that you were really successful with Legal Shield. I mean, there's been tons of these types of products that leverage this type of sales force. You've mentioned mortgages and real estate agents and notaries, but there's these other ones like Legal Shield and what is it called? Chococore or something like that. Tons of them. We, we have more than a hundred of those companies globally that use our platform. Yeah. Right. And I read that. So that's why I'm asking yeah. you this. So is it, is it the product itself or is it the network effect of building the sales force that makes it successful? I know that if you don't solve a problem for someone and they're not willing to pay for it, that's sort of the basics of business. But sometimes I've seen these products that people just don't really need and yeah. they still are wildly successful because of the sales and your for listeners or, or for listeners who aren't watching on YouTube or something, Patrick's laughing. The, what, what is that? Like what, what is it the product or is it the power of the network that gets it? Or is it, is no, one it, outweigh the other? It's unequivocally, it's both, you know, the federal trade commission has come down more on companies more recently in terms of what they view as a Ponzi scheme, which means, which they do exist certainly. And they lean more towards that network effect and they're paying out 70, 80% commissions and they brag about it. Well, if you're paying an 80% commission on a hundred dollar gross revenue, then that doesn't make like, so 10% of the money less than that went into the development of a product and there's plenty of overpriced products. So, and they get sold in the digital world and they get sold at, you know, Saks Fifth Avenue and they get sold at all kinds of places. So 
yes is the answer and to varying degrees. Sometimes companies have really great products that are of value for the product alone, and then they build a network around it, and it takes much longer to build a real organization with real revenues. And then sometimes there's the front-loaded buy-in. You can scale it up super fast, and that's happening a lot in the networking industry. There's a lot of people jumping around from deal to deal to deal and bringing their network with them. And But anyway. That's, that's what I was asking. Yeah. I, I've seen that. Actually, one of the first ladies that I, that we had on the show was a very successful network marketer and she basically built her sales force and she could just turn it on for whatever. Now she didn't have your, your app. I, I don't, I yeah. don't think so, but, but she, what she did do was trained her people basically and said, Hey, here's what you have to do. And sort of to your point earlier, coach them in a hands on method where, like you said, they get credit for the experience. But I was just curious about that because I don't, you know, I don't, I think everybody, I mean, your example where 80% is getting paid out, that's probably an issue. Not probably. It, well, it is an issue. Man. Right. Sure. Yeah. Right. But everybody else is just a sales force. We're all, I mean, whether you're working for your company or, or you're a mortgage person or you're a real estate person or you're notary or whatever car sales person, I mean, we're all, you're just building you're just building your own network. A salesperson for car could... You are. And that's the problem today is that the average person out there in any of these verticals, in any of these industries, you almost today have to be somewhat digital savvy, right? I tell people all the time, you know, when I, when I started Brandon in the direct sales industry, I literally had a fax machine, a phone, a meeting I could go to, and a VHS tape and a flip book. Um, you flip the pages. And that was it. Like, I mean, heck, I don't even know that Starbucks was prolific to meet them there. And I know that email wasn't around, right? It wasn't practical. So it was simple to teach people. They would say, well, what do you use first? It doesn't matter. You can give them a VHS tape, fax them this, call them. My phone bill was 700 bucks a month, right? People don't even know what, like what? Well, it tells you how long old distance, <laughs> how old I am for one. But that is how simple the business is today. No matter what you do, you almost have to be, you have to have some digital presence. You either need to have a broadcast, an email list that you manage that you can communicate with people through, you got to buy constant contact or you probably should have some kind of CRM to manage your contacts. And you should probably, SurveyMonkey's really powerful. Ryan Levesque is a great marketer and he sells a $5,000 survey training program. But think about the average, pick an industry, no matter what it is, pick the average mortgage professional or insurance agent. And they're supposed to what? take Ryan Levesque's course and then create surveys. And then they need to sign up for constant contact. And then they need to have a CRM and learn how to use it. And then, you know, ClickFunnels is powerful. You can create your own capture pages with you branding. Can. The average person would go in there and be like, Bah! It's hard. It's hard. And then, and then, and then you're supposed to try and make these tools talk to each other. Right. Well, even harder in the middle of it right now, you got a Zapier this crap. It's it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And 
But if I could go to a person in the field in any one of these organizations and said, I have all these tools, they're not as fancy as all those tools, but they're practical, they work. I've already created the capture page. As a matter of fact, I worked with one of the best coaches in the entire vertical. We created this capture page for you. It's got your picture. It's got all your social feeds. It's got the your Calendly link at the bottom. It looks like you paid a digital marketing agency $10,000 to create that page. And I just need you to download this app. It'll take you three month, three minutes. And every page is personalized to you because we got your picture. We got all your social feeds. We got everything. And it is already written by somebody better at you than the industry because they killed it and then they became a coach. So now everything's under one umbrella. It's in one app. I mean, are you kidding? What is that worth? And I don't have to, and they all, and all these totals talk to each other. So the survey, the survey goes right to the email campaign and it goes right to a capture page with the video that's housed inside of that page. So I'm not on YouTube having my data stolen so that I can't read, you know, so you're, they're selling to my competitor. I mean, like that, that is. Pretty enticing for most people who know they have to be in the digital world, but they're completely overwhelmed. Yeah. And that's rapid funnels. That's right. And that's authentic sharing technology. So the tools, we don't allow you to hide behind the tools. You know, our manifesto is, yeah, we love data and complexity and AI and all that, but not more than we love relationships, authenticity, driving the habits and behaviors of the individual rep in the field, right? That's that's what authentic sharing technology is. We know what the driver is. It's the relationship. So we use technology to drive the habits, the routines, the authenticity, the relationship, the one-to-one, but not the other way around. I got a question for you. The I have been lucky to have a mentor who built two real estate companies, sold the first one to Merrill Lynch, second one went, rolled it up, went public, and then sold it to Warren Buffett. And he sat on the board with Warren Buffett. And I went fishing with him every Friday and on some some other fishing trips. So I was really lucky. Isn't that cool? Oh, so cool. And he was actually a customer, <laughs> believe it or not, of the company that I that I ran. And, and that's how we met. It was, mm-hmm. but one of the things he told me, because I was always curious, I was like, real estate business, man, like, Got like 5,000 agents. They're all selling the same house. Basically, the splits back then was 50-50. I guess it was 7% or 8%. 4% goes to the one group. 4% goes to the other group. And then the whoever's involved on the agent gets a piece of that. I mean, it's, 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 direct, it's direct marketing. I was like, how do, how do you... And he would, in that business, it is recruiting real estate agents. I mean... Absolutely. Yeah, it's all about the real estate agents. And, and he, and he was the trainer, quote unquote, for having done it. And I was like, well, what, what does it really take? He said, Brandon, just show 31 houses. And I was like, well, what do you mean? He's like, no, I tell people just show 31 houses. Most people won't do that. But if you show 31 houses, you're going to get a sale. That's the math. You got to, it doesn't mean you just, stick them in the back of your pickup truck and you drive them around and show them. It means that you authentically put them in the car, understand their needs. Yes, you target what they want. I mean, you need to understand if they want a one story, a two story, if they want the reverse four plan or not. Do they want a yard? Do they not want a yard? Do they want each uh, 
homeowners association fees or uh, something else. He's like, but just, just show 31 homes and you'll, and you'll do it. It's, it's basic. I don't know. It's just science. So in your experience, you have said, and you've said, Hey, your mentor said, reach out and make two authentic interactions a day. From your experience, what is the number in the direct? It's different in every vertical. You know, the Franklin Covey organization wrote that book, The Four Disciplines of Execution, which is extraordinary. And the first discipline is what's your wildly important goal. And the second discipline is the lead measure. And whatever vertical you're in, you better know what your lead measure is. And it's different for every vertical. So the lead measure basically in direct sales is two exposures a day. Talk to two people authentically every in real estate at show 31 houses. Those are lead measures. They're not, they're not sales. It's not the lag measure. It's not how much money you made. But it's the single thing that people can control that's most closely aligned to the lag measure. And that's what the whole book spends its time on. And then you want a third is you want a scorecard. And then a fourth is a cadence of accountability. But it's different for every unique vertical. But if it's sales oriented, there's always a ratio. And you just got to figure out what the ratio is, right? Is there any guidance like well, Legal Shield? Is that do you do you know or, or are you willing to share what yeah, the touches two, are? I knew two a day consistently over time, and and that direct sales ultimately at the highest level is not about any superstar prospector. It's about the person that can teach consistency. So a large number of people doing a little bit consistently every day. That's it. And the guy that wins or the gal that wins in that space is the one that can get an army of people to do a little bit every single day consistently. IBM was good about that as the first great sales organization, you know, corporate sales organization in the world is they brought salespeople in and they set the bar so low that they just almost couldn't fail. They didn't set the bar huge and find superstars. They set it low and then they continually, gradually moved it up, but they, they got people to win at a low level. And anyway, I think it's, it's a, it's the compounding principle. It's funny though. I'm laughing because that's what Chris used to tell me. He's like, just do like 1% a day. And everyone's like, Oh, that's just, that's too low. You got, and if you, that's like saying save a hundred dollars a month from the time you're 18 and see what happens. Look at your bank account when you're 45. I mean, the math works. It's not rocket science, but do you think it's, do you think it's the, um, I've always, you know, I followed all these. I mean, I, I got a master's degree in psychology, probably to manage myself, not, not to mention that I'm interested in human behaviors. I mean, intimately, I mean, uh, authentically interested, but, but also interested in myself. I always find it amazing, Patrick, that you go to these motivational places, people, and, you know, Tony Robbins is sort of the, the high bar of all of that. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually studied behavior with BJ Fogg from Stanford and persuasive, was the persuasive computing lab. It's now behavioral something lab. People are always looking for this easy answer, but the answer is right in front of them. Like, just do two touches a day. Why do you think humans, in your experience, having dealt with thousands, thousands of, of salespeople, why they just can't do that? 
You know, it's a great question. I think for whatever this is worth, I don't know if this hits the mark or not, but I just think, you know, my wife says that comparison's the thief of joy. And we live in this social world where everybody's comparing themselves to everybody else. And we watch movies that are an hour and a half or two hours long, and it condenses somebody's entire life into these few moments where everything changed and they were gifted with this great talent. It's not the Carol Dweck mindset philosophy and in hard work and consistency pay off more than anything else. But that's not the world we live in. We live in the world of sound bites and clickbait and it happened overnight and you got a gift and it's about how pretty you are, how you, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I think I think that leads to more, unfortunately, people believing that it's some special moment in time and they're waiting for that moment. And they don't want to do the little tiny things consistently because it feels like it's not going to work. I don't and then that scares. I don't and then the it answer. scares them. Yeah. Well, you've witnessed it because you see it. I mean, I mean in, in, in rapid funnels, you over the aggregate of that population, if you were to look at that data, that's exactly what you would find. But that is what I found myself selling all the time in direct sales. I sold the idea that success was closer than you think, and it was born in the simple disciplines every day. And that was my job to convince people that it's not, you know, it's not as hard as you may think. It's not, you know, as old mentor used to say, it's, it's, not, it's not easy, but it is simple. Right. It's not easy, but it is simple. And you mentioned Stanford. My, my daughter's there swimming and I don't think she'd tell you that she's the most gifted athlete in the world, but she would tell you that, you know, and she's on that team with five Olympians. She's a, she's a freshman this past year, but she bought in like lock, stock and barrel to you get up every day and you do the thing that un- other people are unwilling to do and you get the things other people don't have. It's just, you know, and it, and it's simple disciplines every day. And so, you know, I spent most of my life trying to sell that concept. I don't know why more people don't believe in it, but it is what the four disciplines teach us too. The, the four disciplines are nothing extraordinary. They're relatively simple, but they're not easy. Well, speaking of easy, the one thing in psychology that I think we don't make it we don't make it easy. And it sounds like Rabbit Funnels has done that for the process because what happens is if you map, if you map behavior, behavior is very, I mean, humans are predictable animals. I mean, if they weren't predictable, magicians wouldn't do magic. Right. They're, they're so predictable that it can actually make it look like someone did something that bent atoms, but it, it, it's, it's not possible. But what happens is, is that if it's too complicated and you're mo- if it's complicated and you're motivated you will do the behavior but motivation is not a constant motivation is actually super hard to keep i mean unless you're getting that juice every day and eventually it just gets worn out i mean if you watch david goggins every single day on instagram it, you're going to be like oh you're not going to get that same effect necessarily but right. if you watch it intermittently it's going to raise your motivation you're going to the behavior is going to happen. What you really have to do is make it easy. And I think that's what creates consistency because as soon as it's easy to do, the behavior is triggered. And Absolutely. yeah, it, but you know, in, in, in uh, who wrote atomic habits, 
and near oh, I y'all. forget his name, but I think wrote Hooked and Octolysis Prime and all these people that understand gamification, right? And you look at you you look at Fortnite and what they've done. They paid out more the week of Augusta a couple of years ago. I remember a fascinating stat was they paid out more money than all the winners that Augusta got. And people don't realize like they're driving human behavior. Then for us, we gamify prospecting and follow-up. So what we're trying to do is drive. We have leaderboards and contests and incentives. And a lot of people won't do it for the money. They'll do it to get on a leaderboard. And so we're trying to drive streaks and those type of things and badges and all kind of stuff around human behavior of just talk to two people every day. Or the company can set the goal based on what their particular activity metrics are. And then you get everybody to play this game that actually is paying their bills. It's getting their kids to private school. It's allowing them to travel instead of the game that Netflix is paying, playing, right? And that game is a, is a tricky game. That's, that's the binge watching epidemic of society today. And I'm not against, you know, I watched Ted Lasso not long ago and I kind of binge watched it. I'll admit to that one. I like, yeah, it's a good show. I want the next, awesome. the next season to come. Oh, it was unbelievable. But I do, as a general rule, I'm like, dude, quit binge watching the crap. Like, get a life, do something that matters. But society and systems are driving us 5,000 impressions a day, every day. And it's all trying to get our attention. They're, they're, they're playing that game, but you got to be careful what game you're playing. And I think we have to step away and what you focus on expands in life. And you have you, the only thing you can choose and control is what you choose to focus on, right? The awareness part, you can't choose. And I think that's the important part for us as human beings to step back and have some awareness about, wow, I'm in this matrix and everybody's playing a game for my attention. And I got to be really careful about what, what game I'm stepping into. Yeah, it's true. It's funny you said that because it's my wife's birthday and a day ago and we were trying to find a movie just to watch. I couldn't find a damn movie because everything is a season or an, a, right. a series because they want to turn the 90 minute experience into seven hours. And, and they're really good at it. They're good. In fact, they're so good that it keeps showing the, I don't know, I'm not going to say who does it. I mean, they all do it, whether it's Netflix, Apple, Amazon. I'm going to throw them all in there so that nobody knows who specifically I'm talking about, but it was like they're showing the, same recommendation and it's very clear they're trying to get you to get on that series because they're showing the same recommendation in all the different categories which can't possibly be true right but so i i don't disagree with you i think it's focus and i think that that if you just focus on these simple things going back to a story earlier in our conversation patrick so how did you explain how you how you spent the seven hours and ten minutes or the other six hours and 10 minutes from the 50 minutes that you I had done. I never, I never sent it to him. Yeah. <laughs> now, I could do the math myself and he knew I could do the math, which is why he never asked for it again. Right. You know? Yeah. So does, does the app give someone structure to be able to make sure that they don't waste that seven hours? More and more. I mean, that's where a lot of our development goes almost 25 people on a development team. And that's where a lot of the energy is going to 
is to create that yellow brick road that, hey, you had five people fill out a survey. Here's what they need to do next. Do you want to do this right now? And boom, boom, boom. Yes, yes, yes. You know, and so it's it's really leveraging gamification and driving human behavior in something they actually should want to do. And I think there's a pattern. Well, they signed up to do it. I mean, they signed up to do it to make some money. So you just, you're just really helping them. Yeah. It's very easy to say yes to those kind of things. And there's no guilty conscience there. You know, there's, they're excited about it. So as we move more and more down that road and we do an awful lot about around it right now, but it, it that's been fun because you know, you're having a, you know, as a company, we can have a real impact on improving the quality of people's lives through good behaviors, not black hat gamification. So that's fun. And you built this app, it sounds like, to solve your own problem and then grew it into a company. I think you've been doing this over seven years at Rapid Funnels as a company, but is that how the story... That's exactly it. I had no intention. I wasn't trying to build a company. I was just trying to solve a problem that we had specifically, and I knew intimately well. Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool that that turned into it. And then... Was there a moment that you decided like, hey, look, I actually might be able to make, have a better, more profitable business by actually selling this application than using it internally? Because there's a math equation there. I ask a lot of people this. I'm like, well, why, if, if, if it's so good, why don't you just scale a living crap out of it and have a technology levered service that is your competitive advantage? So what made you turn that corner? There were people that started asking, and it, I kind of had that aha moment that, man, there may be something here. And listen, I mean, one thing about networking is once you've done it for 20 years, it's the same. You're just doing it over and over and over. And I was doing really well financially, but but the truth is from a from a get outside of my comfort zone, learn something new, it had just become very monotonous. And this whole idea of SaaS and building a team and creating value in different ways. And so it just, it, it was just a natural growth mindset. I mean, I've always been attracted to that. I always want to grow. I love learning new stuff. And, and this path just, it opened up and it just made a lot of sense. So, and I got to help other people solve the same problem I was having in all kinds of different verticals. So that's been a blast. Yeah. Well, SaaS business is a, is a great business. How big does someone have to be to get on rapid funnels? Like, could I as an individual or is there well, a minimum? It doesn't make a lot of How sense it- because the, what we, what we charge to set it up for one person to leverage it, which would be a value to you. But the setup is, is pretty, now I think eventually we'll get to a place with wizards and onboarding and other things like that. But for us, it just makes more sense to go to larger organizations. And if somebody doesn't have at least 50 people that are selling the same product in the field, you know, immediately, it probably doesn't make a lot of sense. So it's more for anybody who's who has a company who has 50 plus people yeah. underneath them. That's really, really where the ROI starts to kick in. They're a network marketing company. They're an enterprise with a bunch of independent kind of reps out there trying to build a business. Or they're a coach that teaches people in a very specific vertical, that a very similar process. That's our ideal partnership. Well, that makes sense. Well, I appreciate you sharing your story. It's been fun talking about. I didn't realize we actually had as many things in common as we did. So I appreciate you sharing everything about sales and 
dropping some tips and things like that. And now you really have, sounds like two businesses, you have rapid funnels and you still have your other part sales organization that you've built. What is your day look like? Cause it sounds pretty busy. It's a lot of zoom meetings. So our whole team is distributed. It's remote. So it's a lot of meetings and, and, uh, but it's a blast, you know, you've got team in those nine countries. And so, you know, a lot of my day is spent just building this, building the sales organization, you know, a la traction, the entrepreneurial operating system and, and all these different. Do you get tools. up at eight I mean, do you get up at seven, six? Like what oh, is your my day? No, day look- I'm usually, I'm at, I like the early mornings of five thirty or six o'clock, you know, almost every morning, if not earlier. And then, you know, I do my morning. I try to do my morning routine all the time. I lift a little. I do a little meditation. I get my fluids and I take my vitamins and I've got my morning routine. And then usually by seven o'clock, I'm off and running. And then I work in the office schedule. When you say off and running, you might do you mainly go to it. Do you actually go to an office? Oh, no, to work I'm from in, home? I've been at home for 20 some years. I'll never have an office. Oh, wow. So you're working at home now. How do you? Do you segment yourself? I see you have an office with a door. Do you segment that and be and say, hey, from eight to four, I'm working? Or is it sort of all flow? It's all flow. And I know people have a hard time with that. I just don't. I like the door open and I know where the kids are and they can pop in. And and then I just work around. I just work around all that, which I just have no problem with at all. And you know, I work some on weekends and I, I just don't, I don't break the schedule up into, I mean, Monday through Fridays tend to be more work days and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, no, and I like it that way. I wouldn't have it any other way. I love it. And, uh, and it works for me. Do you try to aim for a certain number of hours of sleep? Eight. Yes. <laughs> that, I mean, that, that, that's a pretty definitive. So that's pretty much not, you don't compromise on that in general. No. I mean, it's, sometimes it's seven if I'm, but it's usually, I go to bed, you get eight. I find my way to bed by 930 and fall asleep usually shortly after. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. What would be three high percentage tips that you would give listeners if you had a breakdown from all your experience in selling and building business, et cetera, and break them down into three pieces of advice? Renew the mind on a regular basis, reading books, audios, podcasts, just something renewing of the mind. Two is consistency and three is purpose. Like make sure that I think too many people don't have alignment between their purpose, their goals and their values. And, and, and if you want to get on the fast track, if you showed me your perp, your values, your set of values as a human being, and you know, you should have four. There's, there's tons, hundreds of them, right? But, what are your four or five or six values that really resonate with you? And then tell me your purpose for existing as a human being and then show me your goals. And often people are not congruent between those three and they're not even clear about their purpose. Maybe they could spit out some values and then you show them their goals and you go, well, there's not a lot of alignment here. And if you want to speed up the great achievement in life, right? To, to really have success. I think there needs to be alignment. You know, people say, Hey, do what you love. And, and then, but, but the problem with that is sometimes that's not an alignment with the, that is not an alignment with the purpose and the values, right? Is in, in what their goal is and what they're trying to achieve. So it's more than just do what you love. 
it's do what you love and have alignment between these things. And then you can tend to, to figure out if that makes sense. So that's anyway, those, that, that's probably more than three, but there you go. No, it's not. Would you say that the alignment of those three things is the equation for happiness? Yes, very much so. So that's how you would define happiness is getting those three things in alignment. Absolutely. Right now, I, now you drill down and you go, what makes me really happy is time with my family and being creative. But it all, it was there. It's purpose, values, goals. And if you get those aligned, you create a vision statement and affirmation to speed the whole process up and turbocharge it. But I should be able to read that affirmation and vision statement. And I see values, purpose and goals all in that statement. And I pulled a little from each piece of that. And then all of a sudden, man, you just speed up happiness. And then the byproduct tends to be money. Now that's a longer road. It doesn't like if you try to make money tomorrow, that's probably not the fastest path, but I think you enjoy the journey a lot more and you end up a wealthier person, both financially and spiritually for it. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. I couldn't help but ask that. No, I appreciate it. You're a great interviewer. I mean, I certainly enjoyed it for whatever that's worth. I don't know if any of your guests will at all, but you know. (laughs) What do you mean we wouldn't have you on? Of course, the guests are going to enjoy it. They're going to learn how to sell more. You drop like all the equations here, Patrick. So we're really grateful for that. Where can people find Rapid Funnels? Uh, RapidFunnel.com. And they can reach out to me directly on LinkedIn, Patrick Shaw. And just type in Rapid Funnel and you'll find it. And yeah, and that's it. Well, we appreciate it. We'll put all that in the show notes. Thanks a lot for being on the show, man. It's been fun. Thanks so much. Enjoy it, Brandon. Bye, everyone. Thanks for being generous with your time and joining us for this episode of The Edge. Before you go, a quick question. Are you the type of person who wants to get 100% out of your time, talent, and ideas? If so, you'll love our monthly Edge newsletter. It's a monthly playbook about the inner game of building a successful business. In each newsletter, we pull back the curtain on our business and show you exactly what's happening. The real numbers, real conversion rates, lessons learned from failed and successful strategies, and how we're investing the money we make from our business to outperform the general stock market. We lay out what we're doing to get 75% conversion rates on our product pages how we're optimizing our Facebook, Instagram, and other paid ads to get our leads under $3.87, the results from our email A-B tests, results from strategies I test to get more done in less time. That allows me to ride my bike 100 plus miles a week, work out, spend time with Yvette, and still successfully run our business. How I'm investing the money we make from our business that has led our retirement account to average 20% over the last 10 years. The exact stocks, ETFs, cryptocurrencies, and other investments we're buying each and every month, and tons of other actionable information. Imagine the time and money you'll save by having this holy grail of business intelligence. You can take all of it, apply it to your life as an entrepreneur to avoid costly mistakes and be happier, healthier, and richer. As a fellow entrepreneur who's aiming for nothing short of success, you owe it to yourself to subscribe. Check out the special offer with bonuses for you as a listener at edgenewsletter.com. Again, that's E-D-G-E newsletter.com.